And what Almighty God is going to do this week, I, I leaned over to Mark and I said, look at him. You all came in today, I said, look at him. Do you realize that in the next number of days, thousands of people are going to hear about Jesus Christ because of these people? You folks are impact players. You people are going to make a difference for the kingdom in these days. Just think there are numbers of us here right now. Numbers of us right now. You don't know it, but you're going to be the ones to be able to be with someone to pray with them and they are going to pray. Yes, I want to put my trust, my confidence in Jesus Christ. Van, the tears will be flowing. Won't it be hot? And you're the ones. You're the ones. This is a real privilege for me to be able to be here, and I want you to know that. Have you ever made a significant discovery? You know, the kind of discovery that you found something that you just kind of stumbled onto, but it was significant. I'm talking like a wallet full of cash. You ever found anything like that? You know, a, a bag like just full of jewelry that some store dropped or something. Someone's credit card. A blank check and it was already signed. I, I kind of had an experience like that. I want you to know that I, I, have a, I have a wonderful, marvelous, lovely wife of 14 years. We have four little girls. So we don't vote in our home. I just basically kind of get what I want. It, it wasn't long ago when... I had come up with something that I felt like I needed for the yard, you know, to be able to do some yard work and things. In fact, I, I kind of know how to play the girls, so I, I got my oldest one and I said, Honey, would you help me do this project? Oh, Dad, okay. So we're out, we're out there doing it and I said, You know, babe, if Daddy had a particular kind of tool, we could do this twice as fast. Would that be great or what? Yeah. So, well, you talk to Mom. And your sisters, and we'll see what we can come up with. Anyway, make a long story short. It worked. So we budgeted, you know, we, we talked about it, and we budgeted, and everything was going to be, everything was okay. We, we were all set to go, and, and, and so what we decided is this, this lawn item was such a, you know, kind of a familiar thing and, and a popular kind of thing that we decided if you wait until June, you know, just had it, you wait until June and, and Father's Day comes around and it'll go on sale, guaranteed. I'll tell you what, you can get it. The girls decided you can get it, but wait till it comes on sale. I said, okay, that's it. So we planned, we waited, man, we had it budgeted. I had cash in pocket. I was so excited that day, sure enough. I mean, I waited and the ads came out. There it was. It was in color. I mean, right there, everything that I wanted, there it was. So I clip out the little coupons so I can get the right number off of them, you know, and all that stuff. And I'm going to the place where... Uh, where it was advertised to be on sale. And I walked down the aisle. I'm looking up the signs. I walked down the aisle. I found it. I looked up on the second shelf. There it was. I grabbed the first box. I brought it down. And, there, you know, the top had been ripped off of it. Someone looked at it already. So I, I took it out of the box. And I was holding I visualized myself in my yard using my new yard toy. After I really decided, looking at the picture and looking at the box and the picture in the box and the picture in the box, I thought, yeah, this is the same one in the picture I wanted. So I, I put it back in the box and closed the lid, set it back up on the shelf. I grabbed the one behind it because I don't know about you, but I never like buying stuff where someone else rips the boxes open. You know what I'm saying? I, I like, if you're going to pay that much, I want to rip the box open, okay? 
I don't know why I'm like that. So I grab it and I'm I'm walking to the counter, see, the, the you know, the checkout deal. And I get to the counter and I knew that this particular item was going to cost $149. I mean, it was significant for us. Like I said, we had to budget that. So I, I get up to the counter and I... I've got my, my money in my right pocket and my box on my left arm and I get up to the counter and I set it up there and the little lady grabs the, the wand, you know, and she runs it over the little barcode and then the, the price flashes up on the screen and as she's doing that, I'm reaching into my pocket and I pull out the wad of money and I'm ready to lay it down. Right then, she said, that'll be $49. A couple of thoughts went through my mind. The first one, thank you, Jesus, for taking care of your servant today. <laughs> that was my first one. My second thought was, oh, this is sweet. They're having a sale on top of the sale, and I didn't know about the second sale. I'll just give her her 49, and I'm out of here. That's what I thought. A significant discovery that you just stumbled into. Didn't do anything to deserve it. I, I thought to myself, you know, surely it's not stealing. I mean, I grew up that stealing is when you take it off the shelf, you blow out the back door. Stealing is when you, you pull the thing down and the price tag on it would say 149 and you just simply take the, the $49 sticker from the item behind you, put that over the top of the other one. I was told when I grew up, that's stealing, but I mean, I just grabbed the box and I figured, quickly fleeted through my mind, she wants to charge me that then I'll just do it. Significant discovery. You know, as it relates to evangelism and as it relates to missions and the theme of our days here together, our personal missions, as it relates to missions and evangelism, have you ever asked yourself this question? When it comes to missions and evangelism, I know what God's plan A is. I, I know what it is. So do you. God's plan A is that I would be His agent. God's plan A is that I would be His ambassador. God's plan A is that I would be His, His spokesman, His mouthpiece. Folks, God's plan A, we all know that God's plan A is that I would be and you would be a visible object lesson of Jesus in a man. That's God's plan A. You ever ask yourself this question, though? If plan A doesn't work, if plan A doesn't work, does God have a plan B? I mean, if, if plan, I'm talking on plan A, I mean, it just goes haywire. Then does God have a plan B? We're going to talk about that in a great little story. You'll like it. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24, here's, here's, where the story, here's where the story picks up, at least where we're going to jump into it. The scripture says, And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all of his army and he went up and he besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine. Folks, wait right there. I still know that the pages are turning because I hear them, but I want you to know something. When the Scripture says there was a great famine, 
in our minds with the American mentality and because of our culture and where we are, we don't know how great great is. Folks, I'm talking severe, serious, major. We had a major famine going on here and the Bible is going to give a number of things to illustrate so that we can kind of come up to speed just how severe the famine was. There was a great famine in Samaria. Indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. Now, some biblical scholars say that the 80 shekels of silver would have been about like $50. So the, the famine was so severe. Just like in other famines, true to the very same as it is today. If you've got money, you can still be able to buy some food. Now, the example that they give here is if you had bucks, you could buy like a donkey's head for donkey head soup or something, you know. But it would cost you $50. Well, they also had something else. Watch this. There's always been the blue light special. Watch. 80 shekels of silver, about $50. And then there was also one-fourth of a cab. Now watch this. It depends on the kind of translation you have. Some of yours says different things, but this is, this is what mine says, and so I'm reading it. One-fourth of a cab of dove trees. Maybe the best way to put it. One-fourth of a cab, though, was about a pint. So whether it's seed pods, like, like some of your translations say a fourth of a cab or a pint of seed pods or, or a, a pint of dove tree, the point is very clear to me. We've got a serious famine going on, don't we? I mean, when people are so hungry and food is so scarce that you would actually buy a donkey's head. Can you imagine it being in the bowl and there's those eyes looking up at you? Or a fourth of a cab of serious famine. Serious famine. Now watch this. It is in this context, a serious famine, that the king, the king was the one that was responsible for the entire city. We had a major famine going on and the king feels the responsibility of that because it's his people, it's his people that are going hungry. It's his people that he's hearing the stories about. It's His people that are the ones that are doing all the suffering. So the Bible says in the next verse then, watch this. The scene is, picture it in your mind. Maybe not being able to sleep, then the king, then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall. I'm sure he was pacing back and forth, back and forth, thinking to himself, what can I do? If only the welfare system could kick in now. Oh, how can I come up with some food stamps to help these folks? Back and forth, he's pacing on the wall. What am I going to do? Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, watch this, a woman, here he is, he's up in the palace, he's walking back and forth, down below. A woman cries out and says, Help me, my lord, the king. That's, that's about what she said. The one who did that, is the one that's the most embarrassed right now, okay? Thank you for helping me. That's what she said. Help, o, help, Lord, O King. And he said, watch this. Here's the king. He's pacing back and forth, back and forth, thinking, what in the world can I do? All of a sudden, he hears the woman's voice. Help, O Lord, my king. Immediately, he lashes out at her and he thinks to himself. That's what the scripture says. 
he lashes out and he thinks to himself, look, look what it says there. He says, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? What's in modern vernacular, folks? What was the king saying? The king was saying to the lady as he's thinking about, what am I going to do? He was so preoccupied and so worried. All of a sudden, this lady cries out to him, help. He's thinking, man, everybody's asking me for help. He lashes out at her and he says, basically in our vernacular, he says, lady, man, if God can't help you, how can I help you? That's what he said. In fact, the scripture goes on to say there, the king, the king said to her there, from the threshing floor or from the wine press? Implication, the king yells down at her and says, man, lady, if God can't help you, how in the world am I going to help you? We're all in this famine together. It's the implication. I have no food to give you, threshing floor. I have no drink to give you, wine press. What's the implication, folks? The king is throwing up his hands and he is saying to the lady, I am in the same jam that you're in. I don't have any answers. I hurt because you hurt. That was the implication. That's what he was saying. Because he was the king and he grabbed his wits about him again, something, within, something inside of him said, but I better check out what she wants. So the king says, what's troubling you? She answers and says, quote, to the king. This woman said to me, give your son and we'll eat him today. We'll eat my son tomorrow, end quote. You know what I mentioned in the beginning? I, I come back to you and I say it again. You know, now do you see the picture? How serious the famine was? Serious famine, huh? So all of a sudden, here's a couple of ladies, they're dying. The, the, the pains of starvation are gripping them so severely. One lady comes up with the idea. She says, hey, babe, gal, I, I got an idea. What is it? How about if we like boil your son? I mean, I got a good idea. How about if we boil your son? We'll eat him today. Take care of the hunger pains. Like tomorrow you come look me up. I'll give mine. We'll be taken care of. What do you say? The one lady said, okay, I'll do it. Fire up the stove. Can you believe it? But that's how severe the famine was. The Bible is giving all of these illustrations to simply clarify for us and illustrate for us how serious and severe the famine was. So the lady cries out to the king and she's saying, So king, this is my, that's my dilemma. Verse 29, So we boiled my son, we ate him, and I said to her on the next day, Now give your son so that we may eat him. But now she's hidden her son. <laughs> I mean, this lady got fried, didn't she? She was taken. So now the lady then cries out to the king, and that's the dilemma. Severe, severe famine, right? Now go to chapter 7. It's in this identical context, identical context, the story keeps going. Don't break the action. It's the same context. There were four, look at verse 3. There were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate of the city. They said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Now you know that according to law, lepers were not allowed in the city at that time. Isn't that right? You ever seen anybody with leprosy? Lepers were not allowed inside the city at that time according to law. They weren't allowed in the city. So here's four lepers, friends, sitting outside the city. And, and one of them says, one of them says, 
why are we sitting here until we die? I don't know about you, but in my mind, I, I picture... I picture these four men, one of them grabs some sand in his hand, jumps up in disgust and throws it down and looks at his other three friends and says, what in the world is happening to us? Why are we sitting here until we die? Implication, boys, look at us. We are dying of starvation, number one. Number two, if the starvation doesn't get us, the leprosy will. What in the world are we doing? Severe situation. Then one of them says, if we say that we'll enter the city, the famine is in the city. And we'll die there. So what's he saying? He's saying, well, one of the guys said, well, I know we're in bad shape, but I, I know. How about if we just like blow through the door of the city? We're not allowed in there. But how about if we like streak through, grab a hard loaf of French bread that's laying out on one of the marketer's tables and we'll just run in one side and run out the other side. We'll, we'll be, eat and be okay. They said, no, that won't work. Not this time. You know why? Because the famine's in the city. We blow through the door, the, the famine's in the city. There is no French bread on the tables in there. If we sit here, we'll die. Now, therefore, come, he says. Here, here's an idea. I think it was, probably, it was probably Harvey. I think the guys were, you know, Harvey and Ralph and George and Walt. And probably old Harv looks at the other three and he says, I've got it. Harv probably jumps to his feet. He says, I've got it. An entrepreneurial idea. So the other guys say, okay, give it, give it to me. So here's old Harvey. He says, I've got it. He says, now therefore, let's come and surrender to the army of the Syrians. Can you hear the other three? Do what? Surrender to the enemies? That would be death for us. And Harv says, that's it. You got it. Harv says, what? Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we'll live. Good, good, Harv. Good deduction. If they kill us, we shall only die. Folks, what was he saying? He was saying that we are in such a desperate situation. He was saying, take a look, boys. We are dying of starvation. And if the starvation doesn't get us, the leprosy will. We've got to do something. If we give ourselves over to the enemy, all the enemy can do when they see us is put an arrow through the heart, we drop instantly, and it's done and it's over. But at least we've gotten up from this place and we've tried something. And that's, that's what was happening. That's what he was saying. I think it was Harv who came up with the idea, looked over at Wally and Howard. And he said, so what do you think? Do you want to give yourselves over to the enemy? What do you think of my idea? Are you in? I think Howard probably said... Yeah. Ralph, what about you? Come on, Ralph. Are you in, buddy? Herman? What about you? Herman, are you in? Are you in with us? Three of us are saying yes. Herman, are you in? You know what I think Herman said? I think Herman said, you got a plan B? I mean, that, 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 that's okay, but, but you got a plan B? They all agree, though, and they get up. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. That's the enemy, remember. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, you know how I picture it in my mind? I picture it in my mind that they had come over just, their, they had come over just one of their last sand dunes. You picture them? 
one of their last sand dunes. Palms begin to sweat because I think they were seeing the smoke from the enemy camp just on the other side of the sand dune. I think they were seeing in the horizon the smoke. I think they were seeing the smoke from the enemy camp. And I think hearts begin to pump. Picture it. Life could be over here. I think their hearts begin to race. I think palms begin to sweat. I think they were getting ready to come over their last sand dune. I, I think old, old Wally probably grabs Harv and says, Hey, Harv, wait, 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 you guys. One, one more thing. I want to tell you something. It's imminent here. I mean, as soon as we get on top of the rise, I think we're going to see it. I just want you guys to know something. We go down here. You've been a good bro. I just, I just want you to know that. He probably said it, you know, he said it in his own language, but I think he probably said something like that. Wouldn't have you? And can you, can you sense the emotion of this passage and what's happening? So all of a sudden they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp and to their surprise, watch this, no one was there. <laughs> now that's shouting time, isn't it? Here they're kind of, they're saying their last goodbyes to each other. Heart is, if they had a pacemaker, folks, it'd be ding, 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 it'd be going off. Palms were sweating, they come up over the rise, look down onto the enemy camp and no one is there. Can you imagine the emotion that they felt? Incredible. story goes on and says this. For the Lord God had caused the army of the Syrians, that's the enemy, remember? God caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots, plural, catch that? And the noise of horses, plural, catch that? In those days, folks, those were fighting sounds. In those days, those were scary sounds. In those days, that meant trouble was on the horizon. So God caused those familiar noises to be heard by the enemy, the noise of a great army. And they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. The enemy thought, Oh, man, these people have networked together, formed one great army. They're coming after us. So what do they do? Therefore they arose and they fled at twilight and they left the camp intact. Here's these four lepers. Starving, dying of leprosy. They go through the whole emotional thing about are you in? Yeah, are you in? Yeah, are you in? Okay, okay, let's go. They get to the last sand dune. They're saying their goodbyes. They get up on top and they're thinking, they got their tents, that was lodging. They had their horses, that was all the transportation they ever needed. Donkeys, the Bible says, they're burden bearers. What else does it say? Their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. The enemies fled for their lives. So the four lepers find this gold mine. You know what? I'm, I'm not sure that you really picture the kind of emotional rush this would be. If you and I left here today to be able to go to our bank first interstate right down the street because we needed to get some fast cash. But instead of going to the teller machine because you forgot your little orange card, you just push the door open of, of your bank right down here. You push the door open. You're kind of tripping in there. And as you walk in, you think to yourself, boy, this is funny. Nobody's in here. You just kind of keep walking though to, to go inside. And you're, you're thinking, it's as far as I can go inside. And you're thinking to yourself, this is really strange. There, there's not only not any people in here, there aren't any tellers behind, behind the counter. You think, this is strange. Just as you do a quick assessment, once again, all the way down, you see that in the right-hand corner, you see that the, 
that the vault is not only there where it's always been, but the door is wide open. Wide open. Your next thought is to instantly look back over your shoulder and see if the red light is blinking on the candle. Right then, you come back around, you have a quick glance again, and all the way on the left side of the counter, you see a sign, and the sign says this. Hey, hey, this is your lucky day. Sign, quote, Take all you want. Just spend all you take. Can you imagine how the lepers felt? They had at their disposal more resource than they could ever imagine. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, verse 8, and they ate and they drank. Can you picture it? Starving men. Can you see the breadcrumbs on their beard? They ate and they drank. Breadcrumbs on beard. And they carried from it silver and gold and clothing. Can you imagine? And they went and they hid them and they, and they came back and they entered into another tent and they carried some from there also and they went and they hid it. I mean, they had their own U-Haul business going. Then verse 9 is in the scripture. I think, let me suggest something. I think after bellies were full, can you see their wet chins and the breadcrumb? Can you see it in your mind like I do? I think after bellies were full, new clothes were on. I think after they had had enough, I think after they were totally satisfied, maybe it was Harv, maybe it was Will, I don't know, but one of the four looked at the other three after all were satisfied, I'm convinced. And they said this, verse 9, Boys, 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 we're not doing right. We're just not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we remain silent. Somebody said... Somebody said, think of the women in the city. Somebody said, just think about all the kids. One of the lepers, I'm sure, said, yeah, just think they don't have lepers. If they had, implication, if they had what we now have, they would live. Even though we have what we have, we're still going to die now. There's only one thing that's going to take us and not two things. <laughs> we're not doing right. This is a day of good news. You know, folks, I think this is this generation's most dynamic action. This week, as we're here and we kind of focus on personal missions and you have the opportunity of going out, you know what? This generation's most dynamic action is to be able to rise up and say, we cannot remain silent. This is too good to remain silent. I think there had to be at least three things flood through those men's mind that day. And I think this was the first one. There had to be a realization that their lives had been miraculously spared. Their lives had been miraculously spared and therefore they must share the miracle with others. I relate that to myself. I relate that to myself as a first generation Christian. When I think back on my story and how Jesus Christ found me in my little tiny insignificant northern California town. I mean He, the God, the creator of the universe, He found me. <laughs> He would think so much of me that He would allow me to hear about that good news over and over and over and over. And as often I was, as I would hear it, one of the things they had to realize was that it was a miracle like our salvation. It is miraculous that He would die for me. It is miraculous. It is incredible. In fact, it is almost unbelievable. 
isn't it? Almost. Second thought I think they had was this. There was enough to go around. Can you see them? Bloated bellies. All four of them. Can you see them? Bloated bellies. I think the second thing they realize is, hey, you know what? There is enough to go around. We've got so much here. I mean, we can't even get through it all. There's plenty to go around. There's plenty for everyone. Implication, we don't have to hoard this for ourselves. We can share it with people and in our sharing of it, we will give them life. Amazing similarity to the Gospel. Just because we share it doesn't deplete it. There's life in the news that we share. We grow up in America with a little philosophy that we learn from youngsters. I grew up singing a little song, didn't you? And here's what it is. Finders, keepers, losers. The sad thing is, is as, as it relates to the Gospel, the losers really are the weepers. I think the third thing that came to their mind was not only a realization that they'd been miraculously spared, not only that there was enough to go around, there was plenty for everybody, but I think the third thing was this. There was hope in the food. Yes, there was hope in the food. Yes, there was hope in the food. Yes, there was hope in the food. But before the people in all of the city, before they would ever even taste the food, there was hope in the realization and the knowledge about the food. Yes, there was hope in the food, but more important, more essentially than even that, there was, there was life in the news about the food. Once again, an amazing correlation with personal missions. Amazing. Life in the news about the food. Life in the news about Him. I don't give life, you do. I don't change lives, you do. I don't, you do. I'm not, you are. And when I share with the world what He has done for me, there is life in the news about Him. This week, you have the opportunity to be able to go out in, so, in tremendous numbers. There is so much potential here. You are impact players. This is significant what you're doing. Look past the bike trip. Look past the Mexico trip. Look past the inner city things. Look past those things and think about this. The kingdom will expand because of you. Isn't that great? Master's College, you specifically will have an impact. Alter. Add to the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? The Scripture goes on to say, if we wait until morning, the four guys, they look at each other, they say this. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. So now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. <laughs> there was a real sense of urgency that they felt. I mean, they really sensed a sense of urgency. I pray that Almighty God would give us a sense of urgency. Don't you? In fact, I want to share with you, as someone who ministers in evangelism on a regular basis, I want you to know something. I need to be in a regular habit of praying, Almighty God, would you give me a sense of urgency? So many times I feel, ah, they got, they got time. Man, let them turn on the radio. Urgency. Do you find in your life like I find in my life that I tend to live with kind of a finder's keeper's type of philosophy? I mean, Lord, it's wonderful for me and I, I'm glad you saved me. I'm glad you changed me. Man, I am thankful for that, God. If they want to find it, then you're on your own. 
finder's keeper. This generation's most dynamic action is when we would rise up and say, this is a day, this is a day, this is a day of good news. We dare not, we must not remain silent. We must not. Shall we pray? Father, our culture tells us that no news is good news. Our culture tells us that no news is good news. But as it relates to the gospel, no news is not good news. Father, would you please quicken our hearts? Would you please stimulate us anew and afresh to be like some lepers who realize that this is a day of good news? We must not remain silent. Just before the chapel band comes to be able to lead us in make me like you, Lord. Just before that happens, could you take just a moment? Some of you here today, because of work schedules and all kinds of things, some of you won't have the opportunity to be involved with the teams at the end of this week. Some of you are going on the teams, but you know, if you if you're really honest, are your reasons for choosing and being on that particular team, are they pleasing to the Lord? Would you be willing with me this morning to say, Father, make me like you. Make me like you, Lord. You are a servant. Make me one too. And Lord, I'm willing. Do what you must do to make me like you. Lord, make me like you.